Uh, you can turn with me. This morning we looked at the second book of the Bible. This afternoon we'll look at the second last book of the Bible, Jude, and we'll read verses 24 and 25 in a moment. We've been working our way through this letter in the last three weeks, and we've seen Jude occupied with this task of equipping the church to deal with false teachers and false teaching. If you remember in verse 4, he writes, For certain people who crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And Jude said that they were distorting grace and using that as an excuse for immorality. But more than that, they were denying our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what they were doing was, was twisting Christian doctrine, twisting theology, particularly touching the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, to give plausibility to their sin. So Jude uh, in, called the church in verse 3 to contend for the faith, once for all delivered to the saints. It's Im so important to him that he goes straight into it. He doesn't talk about his relationship with his brother, the Lord, or anything. He just goes straight into this important message to call us to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And as we looked at this morning, we are engaged in spiritual combat. We're called to war to fight for holiness in our lives and faithfulness in our doctrine. So in verses 1 to 16, what Jude was doing was sounding that alarm, ringing that bell, summoning us to wake up to the real nature of the spiritual conflict. And Jude showed us the errors and the dangers of the false teachers and the dreadful consequences of believing the false teaching. And last time we looked at 17 to 23, and we saw that having given us the intelligence we need to understand the character and also the tactics of the enemy, Jude gave us three tools to help combat their mistakes. In verses 17 to 19, Jude, Jude told us to look back to the apostolic word, to be people of the book, to be people of the scriptures. And in verses 20 to 21, to look up, look back, look up to the triune God and use the means of grace, the word of God and prayer. And then in verses 22 to 23, he told us to look out. So look back, look up, look out to the backslidden, the morally compromised, and the wayward, show them mercy to seek to save them and restore them. Look back to the word, look up to the triune God, look out to those who are in need of mercy and deliverance. That was the strategy that Jude was prescribing for waging a successful warfare against the false teaching. He gave us intelligence, strategies, and this afternoon he offers encouragement as we march into the fight. Verses 24 and 25, let's pray as we read these two verses. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would come by your word read and preached. Speak to our hearts, show us our weaknesses, our sin, our frailty, our inability, our proneness to sin, but show us your sufficiency, your grace to forgive, cleanse and change and transform us from glory to glory by your Holy Spirit till we reflect your character. So draw us in faith and dependence to cling to you and rest on you and use your word to strengthen us in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So 24 and 25 of Jude, now to him, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Jude is a wise pastor. He doesn't end his letter with a call to arms or a warning about the enemy or a list of instructions how to fight a good battle. He knows that that's no way to motivate us to face a terrible opponent in a deadly conflict. No, if we're to march confidently into spiritual battle, we need to have the secret weapon that Christians have, the enemy does not. We need to know that the war that we're engaged in is a war we cannot lose, because the one who fights for us has triumphed. If you like, verses 1 to 23 has been basic training, boot camp for combatants in the fight for Christian holiness, faithfulness and truth. But now we need more than just good instructions. We need deep encouragement of our eternal hope and that the final success doesn't rest on my ability, the strength of my arm, the courage of my heart, but elsewhere completely. Jude directs our guys away from ourselves, away from the oncoming enemy, to fix an almighty God himself. So first of all, I want you to see the praise that is in the passage. It's quite simple, really. We're looking at, going to look at three themes in this doxology. The first, I think, makes this point very clearly, the theme of praise. You see that very clearly in the text. Now to him, the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. So Jude's conclusion is not a warning, it's not a challenge, it's a song of praise. It's a doxology. And I did some study this week and a doxology is not the same as a benediction. So what is a benediction? A benediction is a declaration of God's blessing on his people. A benediction is not addressed to God. It is spoken by the ministers of the gospel, by God's ministers, to God's people on God's behalf. That's what a benediction is. But a doxology is something different. It's spoken by God's people to God, giving him the glory and the praise. So a doxology is spoken by the people of God to Almighty God, giving him alone the praise and the glory. So any song that focuses on giving God the glory due his name is a doxology. And this is what this is. This is a doxology. It's a song of praise that is captivated by the greatness, the goodness, the glory of God. Now to him, the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever and forevermore. Amen. Jude, to continue our theme from this morning, is bursting into song. We're, we, we're helped to face the conflict with joy. We're taught to sing while the battle rages. God's uniqueness is adored. The only God, there is no other. The only God, transcendent, unique, 
independent above all creatures, the only God. And his role as saviour is celebrated, the only God, our saviour. He has rescued us, forgiven us, made us his children. Our salvation belongs to him and comes from him, and it's to him we offer our worship through Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom we've been reconciled to God. And then look at the text, glory and majesty. That's the greatness of his character. This morning, why do we sing? Because his character deserves it. Dominion and authority, the greatness of his rule, is affirmed, confessed, rejoicing. And all of this belongs to God from eternity to eternity, before all time and now and forevermore. You can just feel Jude reveling in God. He's enjoying God. He's worshipping God, his uniqueness, his otherness, his transcendence, his condescension, his mercy and grace in saving us, his glory, his sovereignty, his splendour. And it's interesting because Jude has been getting very practical and he's been looking into the muck of false teachers. He's been looking at moral failure and he's been looking at the battle in the trenches as God's people fight for purity, holiness and righteousness. It's been really sobering up until this point, confronting us with reality as we seek to live holy lives. But Jude looks up and he sees the Lord Jesus, the final victor. He looks away from the wicked men. He looks away from the struggling believer to a holy, gracious, loving God. And for all the hardship of life, Jude breaks into song. So as temptation rages, as error abounds, as we contend, verse 3, for the faith, as we fight for the truth, as Satan assails us, unbelievers mock us, laugh at us. Jude calls us to lift up our eyes to the hills from whence doth my help come from. My safety is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Jude wants us to become the strangest army fighting the strangest warfare. We meet the enemy singing. We face the devil singing. We confront temptation singing. Jude wants us to fight singing praises to the only God, our Saviour. Fill your whole vision with him. Study him. We looked at that a wee bit this morning. In his character, study his attributes, his uniqueness, his independence, his simplicity. The simplicity of God is a wonderful theological term. His omnipotence, his wisdom, his loving kindness. Study him in the unity of his being, the fellowship of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Study him, perfect in holiness, and explore how perfect holiness might nevertheless make you an object of unending hesed love. So study him, Jude is saying. Look long at him and something will happen in you. You know, like an open bottle, when you hold it at just the right angle and the wind blows over it, and its sounds and notes. The human heart, when it sees with clarity the glory and the greatness and grace of God, 
it sounds a note of praise. So it responds, it answers to the God who has made us for himself with adoration, doxology, worship, praise. So that's the first thing I want you to see, that this doxology is full of praise. Secondly, there's preservation. Jude goes further. Not only are we to praise God for who he is, again, like this morning, we're to praise him for what he has done. I think it's very telling that these, these come up at the same time today. So the second theme in this doxology in Jude has to do with God's mighty work in the lives of his people as we struggle to be faithful. The theme of preservation. So first of all was praise, second preservation, verse 24. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And these are words that should help our hearts leap with praise, hope and encouragement. He is able to keep you from stumbling. Maybe you have or you know someone who's been caught in a pattern of sin for years. And sometimes it's easy to lose hope. Will we ever get the better of it? Will that loved one ever gain victory? Will you ever break from this endless cycle, put sin to death? God is able to keep you from stumbling. God is able to keep you from stumbling. You are not. Of course we're not. We found that over and over and over and over and over again. But God is able, God is willing, he is ready to save. There's hope for you, there's grace for you. There's change for you. I, I genuinely believe we don't talk enough about transformational change. Because the gospel saves us, but it changes us. We are not who we were. We put off, we put on. So there's hope that we can change. Isn't that good news? There's hope that we can change. Stumbling into sin and error is not inevitable. To any who trust in Christ, we need never resign, I'm just going to go back, never resign ourselves to stumbling into sin. The gospel means that sin can be forgiven, thank the Lord. But that's not all the gospel means. The gospel is good news, not just because we can be forgiven. The gospel is good news because we can be changed, forgiven and changed. He is able to keep you from stumbling. You do not need to stumble this week. We do not have to manage our sin, which is delusional anyway, we can't. No, the gospel transforms us from inside out. We put off the old, put on the new. There is grace to help you walk in obedience to him. The Jesus who forgives us changes us too. The cross that wins our pardon won our holiness too. Now, sin, we know, will always dog our steps. We'll sin again and again before the end, and only in heaven will the work be completed and our struggle with temptation will be over. But the truth is, the truth is, for the believer in Jesus Christ, sin no longer has the mastery over the devil. Our God reigns. He reigns in our hearts. And holiness, imperfect, 
but growing and real will be yours. Why? Because you're strong? Because you're able to keep yourself from stumbling? No, 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 no. He is able to keep you from stumbling. That's how Jude began his letter in verse 1. These are bookends at either end of his letter, ensuring that as we descend with him into the battle of spiritual conflict, as we contend for the truth, as we contend with the temptation and the, the assaults of the evil one, surrounding it all, bookending it all, above it all, behind it all, under it all, is the keeping grace of God. Jude is writing in verse 1 to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, kept for Jesus Christ. No matter what the strategy or the danger that false teachers may, might pose, we're kept for Christ. We're kept for Christ and we're kept from stumbling by the God who is able. Isn't that beautiful? Wonderful thought? That we're kept for Christ at the beginning. We're kept from stumbling by God who is able. As we contend for the truth, this is the only ground for assurance. This is the only basis of faith that we will not be swept away by temptation and error. It's not that we're wiser or better or smarter or stronger. God is able to keep us from stumbling. This is the everlasting arms that will bear us up. This is the strong tower into which the righteous might run. This is the rock of refuge. This is the mighty fortress. Our God is able. I am puny and I am small and I am foolish and I, as the hymn writer said, I am prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Is that not your confession too? But he is able. Praise God, he is able to keep your feet from stumbling. So this praise that's littered through, if you like, or woven through this doxology. There's preservation, the God who is able to keep you from stumbling. So praise him for who he is. Praise him for preserving grace. Thirdly, presentation. Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you. You see that? Present you, blameless, before the presence of his glory with great joy. He is able, not just to keep you from stumbling negatively, he is able to present you blameless, positively. You see, a wooden translation of verse 24 brings out the contrast that Jude is trying to make. To whom who is able to keep you from falling and stand you blameless before the presence of his glory? The word present can mean to stand something or someone upright. He will keep you from falling over and he will stand you up before his glory. He will not let you fall. He will make you stand and he will present you blameless. Maybe your conscience stings with guilt. We need to know, first of all, that Jesus Christ bled and died and is able to wash our sins away and forgive you today and forever. So if, we've, if you've never done it before, really, today you need to run to Jesus Christ and have him make you clean. 
But Jude is telling us more, even more than that. He's telling us that one day, if we're trusting on G in Jesus, a struggling conscience will be an experience of the past, never again to feel shame, never again to feel that sting of guilt. I look forward to that day. Never again to feel the shame. So if you repent and trust in Jesus Christ, one day you will stand before the presence of his glory and you'll do so blameless. It's hard to believe, hard to fathom. But you'll stand blameless. It's a stunning statement if you think about the language, the presence of his glory. Well, where else does the Bible talk about God's glory? Remember the seraphim in Isaiah 6. Those angelic figures who blaze with a glory all of their own. They had to hide their faces before the glory of the uncreated God. I remember Moses, Lord, show me your glory. What does God say? No one can see my face and live. The glory of God is for creatures like us beyond comprehension and calculation. I can't, it's one of those things that I don't have the bandwidth for to imagine. I don't have, if you like, the space on my hard drive for it. I have no categories for it. It is the radiance and the brilliance of his character and his perfection shining out towards all that he has made, the display of the godness of God. But one day, while the seraphs hide their faces, and all creation reverberates with the wonder at the effulgence of his glory, one day, believer in Jesus, who's gathered this afternoon in his name, in Keswick, little you, little me, will stand before that glory unashamed and blameless. You'll be measured against the purity of his glory and you will not be excluded. You will not be ejected. You will not be excluded. You'll be welcomed in before the presence of his glory. Blameless. That is for all believers in Christ. Blameless. What a day that will be. However will you get there? How will you get there? He is able to keep you from stumbling. So as you travel along the steep road, the steep fell of the Christian life, all the way to the finish line, he is able to keep you so you'll enter into his glory at last, blameless. He is able to work in you. So however slight you may feel your progress is in holiness today, However pernicious and ingrained your sin may be today, when it comes to stand before the presence of his glory, we do so clinging to Christ and will be found blameless in his sight. It's almost like Jude pictures God the Father turning to his beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one in whom the knowledge of the glory of God shines, in whom the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, resides. 
Jesus, the embodiment of the glory of the Father, the presence of his glory. And one day the Father will turn to the Son with you in sight. And he will say, look at what your blood bought and paid for. Look at the work finished at last. Look at what my hands have done, what my spirit has wrought. Look at what your love, Jesus, look at what your love has procured. I present to you my child, blameless at last. What a day that will be. What a day that will be. So why does Jude end like this? It's, it's clear. You can see why Jude sings. How could we not? To echo this morning, how could we not? He sings because he looks up from the fight to the God who reigns and he sees his power and all the might of omnipotence marshalled to preserve you, to keep you from stumbling. All of that omnipotence and power marshalled to present you in the presence of his glory, blameless at last. So he cannot help it. We cannot help it. He sings praise. How we need to lift up our eyes from our hard-fought spiritual battle with sin and temptation. How we need to raise our heads, so often cast down by our own persistent failure, and look to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom belongs glory and majesty, dominion and authority, forever and ever. And to see him turn all his power to keep you, to preserve you, and secure you no matter what. To look ahead, look ahead at that day fast approaching when he will take you home. The work will be done. What will you look like? A perfect reflection of the character of Jesus Christ, blameless in the presence of his glory and home at last. That's what we should focus on, believer in Jesus, dear believer in Jesus, and you'll find strength and encouragement. When the battle battle rages, we have strength and encouragement to fight on. And more than that, more than that, to sing praise, a singing, a people on the move, singing people, as you march with new energy and zeal and wage a good warfare. Praise, preservation, presentation. May the Lord indeed receive all the glory and all the honour. Amen.